Welcome to the Mindful Life Podcast. Join me, your host, Marianne Eve, mental health social worker and mindfulness educator, as I navigate living my best life with the intention to educate and raise the collective consciousness around the benefits of living a mindful life. Each week via the Mindful Life Podcast, I will bring to you a range of content, including special guests that explore mindfulness, mindset, and mental health. Did you know I recently started a new podcast, Kids Mindfulness Meditations, a podcast for kids. It's helping so many kids to find their calm and to relax. It's free and it's available via Spotify. Welcome to Kids Mindfulness Meditations, a podcast for kids. My name is Marianne Eve. I'm a mental health social worker and I have a special interest in mindfulness. I run a multi-award nominated kids mindfulness group program where I teach children how to self-soothe and self-manage stress via mindfulness education and meditation practice. This podcast is especially for kids, for kids who may be stressed, anxious, highly emotional or kids who are overthinkers or have trouble sleeping. Each episode will be a single recorded downloadable meditation for children aged 5 to 13 years. There will be meditations for sleep and meditations for relaxation. The aim of my podcast is to give children a free, easy to use therapeutic tool to assist them to relax and to find their calm. The Mindful Life podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast was recorded. We recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community and pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. So today's episode is uh, a little unconventional. I am recording it whilst I'm out on a walk uh, with my AirPods, so the sound quality may not be as good as usual, uh, and you may hear me huffing and puffing a bit, and you may hear some background noises as well. I just thought I'd record my ramblings, uh, how I'm feeling today. Um, this may or may not become a podcast episode. If you're listening to it, uh, that means I have decided to publish it as a podcast episode. Uh, today, what day are we at? Thursday? Thursday the 9th of July. Here in metropolitan Melbourne, we've just entered or re-entered stage three restrictions. Um, as we all know, the entire world is uh, amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so we here in Victoria uh, recorded our highest uh, infection rate, our highest number of new cases in a 24-hour period. I think it must have been Monday or possibly Tuesday and our Premier, Dan Andrews, made the decision as a result of those numbers to put metropolitan Melbourne, which is the vast majority of Melbourne, 
into or back into stage three lockdown. So today I'm feeling all the feels like everyone else. Uh, And I just thought I'd share a bit of how I'm feeling and what's going through my mind. So this episode isn't scripted. It's just off the top of my head, which is a bit of a mess at the moment. So this podcast might be a bit all over the place. Uh, But I'm feeling frustrated and I'm feeling flat. I woke today feeling pretty flat on day one of return to lockdown. Uh, I think a lot of people are feeling a bit flat and a bit disappointed. A lot of businesses were able to open uh, on the 1st of June or reopen on the 22nd of June. Um, And those businesses enjoyed a few weeks being back in operation. And unfortunately, uh, they've had to lock down again. So it is really disappointing. Um, but, you know, I can understand why Dan Andrews has made this really difficult decision. Uh, I think around a week ago or maybe five days ago or thereabouts, he decided to, uh, put stage three restrictions back in place for a number of what they call hotspots here in metropolitan Melbourne. So they are, um, we have what we call shires, which are local government areas, and each shire covers a number of suburbs. So those uh, shires were identified as hotspots, which means they had um, a fairly high number of active cases of COVID-19. So uh, Dan Andrews made the decision to put those um, areas of Melbourne into lockdown and that was kind of the beginning. And I think we all knew that uh, lockdown for the rest of Melbourne was on its way. Then Sunday afternoon, um, it was a bit of a shock to see nine public housing towers, which are sort of on the outskirts of the CBD. So they're in Flemington and North Melbourne. And those nine towers house 3,000 residents. And in order to be eligible to reside in one of those apartments in those towers, you need to be uh, low income and recognised as someone who is from um, a marginalised group. So those towers house people uh, who uh, are new arrivals to Australia. Many of them don't um, speak English as their first language. I'm aware that there is um, drug use, problematic drug use, within those communities and high rates of family violence. So it was really concerning that a decision was made to put those residents into what was referred to as immediate hard lockdown, which basically meant uh, no one could go into those residents and no one could leave those residents, Um, which is really quite distressing and quite confronting. In essence, 
the the people within those homes, within those towers, became prisoners. Uh, with stage three restrictions, which is what the Melbourne uh, metropolitan area has just gone into, stage three restrictions ask us to stay home, uh, and there are only four reasons that we can leave home, and those four reasons are work or study, if you can't do it from home, uh, essential food shopping, uh, medical attention or caregiving, and exercise in your own community. So they're the four reasons that people uh, in lockdown, stage three lockdown, can leave home. But for the residents in these towers, they were told that they couldn't leave home for any reason whatsoever. So I imagine that would have been quite frightening and quite traumatising for these residents, many of whom have come from war-torn countries and trauma history. So it would have been triggering and re-traumatising. And I can only imagine how confusing it must have been to have 500 police officers surround uh, the towers to keep people inside. As a social worker, I'm all about social justice, equity, access and equality. So it was really confronting for me, quite disturbing for me to see this in my own country, you know, Australia, the land of the free. But I think the situation has improved. Initially, there were reports via the media, and I know the media can blow things out of proportion. Uh, the media were reporting that uh, people didn't have the essentials, there were families without nappies, formula, without food. But I think that has improved. I have a good friend who works for the Department of Human Services who are responsible for making sure that these communities have their essential care needs met. So I have been advised that mental health services, drug and alcohol services and family violence support services have gone into these communities to assist these people. But regardless, they are still in hard lockdown and I can only imagine how terrifying that is uh, and how that is exacerbating uh, people's mental health issues, uh, making people feel quite frightened and quite cooped up. Uh, I can't help but wonder, you know, I do understand why it was done. I think they advised that it was 23 or 26 cases were found within the towers, which doesn't seem like a lot, but I know because these people live in quite close proximity to each other, there's lots of shared areas like laundry um, and other communal areas where they share a space. So I do understand that the virus could spread quite quickly. So I get why the decision was made to lock it down. But I can't help but wonder if there could have been another way to go about it. Um, I heard an infectious disease specialist uh, speak uh, about the idea of taking out the infected people and the vulnerable people and, of course, housing them away separately, away from the towers.
um, that might have been another alternative and of course testing everybody in the process and I do understand that um, they have now tested all 3,000 residents uh, but the towers are still locked down uh, so I'm not sure what's going to happen with that situation they were told 14 days uh, and then they would look at whether they um, allow them some freedom you know they're not even allowed to go out and get fresh air which is really a basic human right even in prison prisoners are allowed to go out and get fresh air so this really is bordering on a breach of basic human rights and it's quite a shock to see this happen in our country in the land of the free I have a a girlfriend who lives in the Netherlands who couldn't believe her eyes when she saw it on the news, people holding up signs that were saying help and reports of mothers not having nappies for children. She was quite shocked that something like this was going on in Australia. So, you know, when we reflect on that, when we think of those people in that situation, you know, I'm now outside at the moment getting fresh air, going for a walk, it's a beautiful day. Uh, Melbourne's turned on the weather for our first day in stage three lockdown. I feel grateful when I think of my position compared to the position of people in those towers. So we need to, of course, put things in perspective. But I know people are struggling. I know that this lockdown 2.0 is going to affect people's mental health. I have clients who were already struggling, clients whose work was reduced or perhaps they've lost their job uh, as a result of the first lockdown a couple of months ago. Uh, it's obviously affected their mental health. I have clients who did return to work uh, for a period of time when things opened up again. And these clients have again been um, stood down. So that's really difficult to have that situation again. And unfortunately, many of these roles where people are, where services are closing, many of these um, roles, people are paid quite low anyway. Things like uh, waiters, bar staff, uh, the beauty industry and personal training and there's a number of other industries as well where people are they're quite low paid workers so these people are not resourced generally or well resourced they often don't have savings or they have very minimal savings so these people are being forced to uh, live on the bare minimum and of course what we know is that when we don't have financial security and we don't have enough money to get what we need. It affects our mental health. So, you know, in situations like this, people turn to dysfunctional coping mechanisms and I'm seeing a lot of that in my work. I'm seeing uh, problematic alcohol consumption. I'm seeing uh, problematic substance use. And I'm also seeing a rise in family violence. So all of this is very concerning being in lockdown absolutely affects people's mental health. And look, I know this is really controversial, but it has to be said. And as a mental health worker, I am in a position to say this. I feel 
in all of this that people's mental health is being sacrificed in favour of physical health. I know there's no easy answer. I don't know what the answer is. I know uh, letting this virus run its course is not necessarily the answer, but I'm really concerned about people's mental health in all of this and people's ability to cope with going into a second lockdown and particularly the homeschooling element. I have a number of clients who um, struggled last time to homeschool their kids and with that on the horizon, it hasn't been confirmed as yet, um, but I think we know it's around the corner that there will be um, homeschooling for term two. So that's something that's really difficult for people's stress levels. Um, and kids kids aren't coping with the thought of that either. You know, I had a little girl uh, who I saw last week who she wasn't living in the moment. She was catastrophizing. She was future predicting, but she got it right. She said to me last week, I really don't want to go down, go back to lockdown. Um, that's when all my problems started. When we went into lockdown last time and we had to do homeschooling, that's when I got angry and I got sad and I couldn't sleep. Uh, so she said, I don't want to do that again. And I said to her, you know, live in the moment. Let's not worry about what's going to happen in the future because we don't know and when I saw her yesterday she actually more or less said to me I told you so so that was interesting and I actually did an activity with her all about impermanence and letting go which is what we need to focus on in this situation that lockdown is not going to last forever it will pass just like it passed last time so we did a mandala building exercise which I quite often do with my kids mindfulness kids where in a sand tray we just made a mandala out of beads and we looked at it for a moment and then we took a photo because she didn't want to just destroy it before taking a photo so we took a photo and then we just pulled it apart and we let it go so it's that idea and that analogy of, you know, nothing in life lasts forever. Everything is transient. Everything comes and goes. You know, I thought that feelings, all our experiences, whether they be positive or negative, they all pass and lockdown will pass as well. Uh, but that's something I'm being challenged by at the moment, you know, accepting where I'm at. Today I'm a little better. I've had a couple of teary days. Uh, for me, you know, I'm lucky I'm continuing to work. I'm still able to work. Of course, it's an inconvenience in terms of my courses uh, being moved, um, but that's fine. They'll just be run at a later date. Um, my kids' mindfulness program, again, is on hold, uh, which is really disappointing because I know kids need this program. But again, that's okay. We'll get that back up and running when we can. Um, my husband's still working. Both my daughters work in the service industry, so they're still working. So it's about being really grateful for where we're at um, and understanding that this doesn't 
last forever. So I would urge you, if you are struggling, to reach out and get some support. Um, please don't be hard on yourself. You know, everyone is struggling. Please have less judgment about yourself and where you're at. Everyone is doing it tough. I keep saying we're living under this collective consciousness of fear, stress and anxiety. So, you know, you may not necessarily be concerned about getting the virus. It's it's everything else um, that, you know, affects you in terms of isolation and the lockdown and the changes. And, of course, you know, isolation itself affects people's mental health. So I would encourage you to talk. That's the most important thing. Talk about how you're feeling. Um, one of my podcasts that I recorded um, when we were in isolation last time, there were three things that I mentioned, and I'll try and remember what they are. Three things, three strategies to support you and keep you going um, through isolation. And they were, number one, Stay away from mainstream media. I think mainstream media fuels our anxiety and it creates fear. Just stick to um, the Premier's press release. I think that's realistic and that's factual. Um, number two, connect with others. That was the, that was the next one. Um, yeah, whether that be phone call or message um, you know, we've got Zoom, we've got FaceTime, connecting with others. And, you know, you can go for a walk with one other person outside your household. So arrange that. Arrange with someone in your local community to go for a walk. And number three, move your body. That's really important. When we're feeling any big emotion, it's important to move our body, to move that emotion through our body uh, it helps with our mental health and well-being. Uh, it just helps us to feel better. Getting light, getting sunshine and getting fresh air is really important for our mental health and our well-being. So I really hope people are doing okay in all of this. Um, I know I've struggled the last couple of days because guess what, I'm only human. Uh, but... You know, sometimes it just takes me a little while to adjust and to accept um, and to remember that there's always positives to come out of really any situation if you search hard enough. But if you are having a hard time, please get some support. Uh, you can access your GP via telehealth. If you want to um, source some counselling, I would encourage you to ask your GP to write you up a mental health care plan. Here in Australia, that will entitle you to 10 um, counselling sessions that are rebated. I do charge um, a gap for my service, for example. Um, I'm still providing face-to-face -face because I'm an essential health service and I'm also providing walk and talk and telehealth to those who don't feel comfortable coming into the office. Um, I do have a few clients that live in rural areas nearby who those areas aren't in lockdown. So I'm encouraging those clients to not come down to my office. My office is in a lockdown zone. Um, so 
if you're living in an area that's not in lockdown, I would discourage you from entering an area that is uh, in lockdown and vice versa, of course. So those clients I will see via telehealth. I'm currently not seeing anyone um, who's living in a hot spot, but if I was, I would um, encourage them to, or not encourage them, I would tell them I could only see them via telehealth. Um, and of course, there are telephone support council services as well. So reach out um, and access that support. And remember, your mental health is a big part of your health and your well-being. If for any reason you have found the content of today's podcast triggering or distressing in any way, please consider accessing some professional support. Australian mental health telephone support numbers are listed in the show notes. Are you feeling tired or are you under stress? Are you overloaded or just generally feeling overwhelmed? Well, I'm really excited to share a very special stress reduction tool that I've been using and recommending to my clients for a number of years. Calm is the number one app for meditation, relaxation and sleep. With over 21 million downloads and achieving the Apple App of the Year in 2017, Calm is so perfectly aligned with all that I do as a mental health professional and all that I teach here at the Mindful Life podcast. It is the perfect stress relief strategy and the perfect mindfulness tool. The app has so many fantastic and easy to use features, including Daily Calm, a brand new 10 minute meditation every day. 100 plus guided meditations covering anxiety, focus, gratitude, and so much more. 80 plus sleep stories to settle the mind and relax the body. Exclusive music tracks for focus, relaxation, and sleep. Calm Masterclass featuring world-renowned mindfulness experts. My personal favorites include sleep stories, and I've recently discovered Calm Music, which I have on a continuous loop at my practice, in counselling sessions and in classes. I also love the Calm Masterclass videos, which cover some fantastic topics, including gratitude, happiness and mindful eating. And not to mention all the great features the app now offers for kids, including sleep stories, meditations and lullabies. I'm so very excited to be partnering with Calm to bring you, my listeners, some amazing offers. Calm is so generously offering the Mindful Life podcast listeners a free four-week subscription to the Calm Premium app. All you need to do is head to the following link, calm.com forward slash calm health trial. That's calm.com forward slash calm health trial and just follow the prompts to enjoy your free four-week trial of calm premium you'll be feeling calm relaxed and at peace in no time you've been listening to the mindful life podcast with your host marianne eve mental health social worker and mindfulness educator if you'd like further information or you'd like to connect feel free to make contact via facebook or instagram under the handle mindful life podcast or via email 
mindfullifepodcast at gmail.com.